your time that you're spending per hour at a job might be $15 an hour. As a self-employed, you can double that, maybe triple or quadruple that. And that's where the benefit comes in. You do get more per hour if I can I kind of break it down to that. Yeah. But you do own your job. So yeah. you have a little bit of freedom there because you get to decide what you do and how much you do of it. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so that you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We're your hosts, David Thompson and Leo Sabo. And in today's episode, we're going to answer several questions around being a business owner, uh, having an investment mindset, why it's important to understand the difference between being an employee and being an owner. Uh, There's a little bit of philosophy in this episode, but there's also some practical tips and tools. And so really just right off the bat, Leo, we kind of want to talk about what is the best way to grow wealth, and then we'll dig into these mindset shifts. Yeah, because that's really where this episode came from as we discussed the whole idea of growing wealth. What does that look like? Is it okay to grow wealth? How do you actually go about growing wealth? David and I, for the last couple of years, have been talking a lot about some of the foundational principles of managing money. We introduced our four principles of purposeful living, spend on purpose, save before you spend, increase your financial margin, and invest wisely. All of these are foundational. At least the first three are things that we really focus on a lot because we do feel like that's the foundation of good financial management, but also the foundation that you can build on, right? So Mm -hmm. if you're going to build wealth, you have to be able to spend on purpose. You have to understand how to manage money well. You have to have a priority to saving before you're spending. Otherwise, you'll never have surplus to actually invest. And third, you have to increase that margin. We talked about lifestyle creep, right? Mm, The more you make, the more likely that your lifestyle wants to push up. You see things you want, you want a bigger house, a better car. Those things are fine, but there has to be a finish line to that. There has to be a ceiling to that so that it allows you over time to build margin. And then that margin can be used to build wealth. But there are a couple of different things we want to talk about building wealth before we actually get into how do you actually do it. Yeah, well, and I want to put this caveat out at the very beginning. We're going to talk about wealth and we're going to talk about building wealth, Mm -hmm. but that's not to say that wealth is the goal of life. No. Uh, We are not pushing that your identity should be tied to money in any way. You shouldn't be focusing on your wealth as a part of your identity or who you are. Wealth can be a good thing, though. It's a resource that can help you to do more of what you're called to do, what you're... Mm -hmm purposes, right? Mm -hmm. We talk about what your true life purpose is and the things that you're passionate about. Um, If you have resources, you can go further and you can go faster and you can serve more people. Our heart is to help you to achieve your true life's purpose. And we believe that there is a mindset shift that may help you in achieving more and going further. And so even as we talk about those four principles that Leo mentioned, spending on purpose, saving before you spend, increasing your financial margin, and then investing wisely, we love to talk about investing wisely. And I believe there's a mindset shift from the first three principles that really lay the foundation and then stepping into investing. You go from, okay, I'm going to manage not just my finances, I'm going to spend on purpose, every dollar has a name, but you go to saving before you spend, increasing that margin, that safety net. But when you get to investing, you're now thinking, okay, what can I do with my money today to grow that over time, to create more financial security and potentially more opportunity of my time, energy, financial margin to go out and serve and do more things. So 
We've done 21 episodes around this topic of investing. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about passive investing and diversification and rules on investing and four different ways to invest. And I believe there's another mindset shift when you go not just into investing, but uh, investing into a small business, uh, investing into a business that you own that's not just a job for you, but you potentially can step out of as a job, that you become, become a business owner and now you're managing the business from a distance and it's no longer your time and energy. The business is moving and operating on its own. Uh, there is a difference between managing and investing into the stock market and into some passive investments versus investing into a business or into real estate uh, where you may create and build assets that provide income long term for you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so we want to talk about that mental shift from just passive investing to active investing. Yeah, David, it's, it's like realizing that there are two different paths here, right? You can take two different paths and one path and neither one of them is better than the other. It's just, it depends really on you as a person. What are you driven by? How are you, uh, how are you best going to serve and fulfill the purpose that you have? For instance, let's say you're in a job and you find yourself in this job and you like the work, but you're consistently seeing processes that are not right. You're seeing management decisions that aren't right. And it frustrates you. It's not something you're like, eh, it's a different way of doing it. No, you're like upset about it. You are vocal about it. And you're like, if I had my own company, if I did it, it would look differently. Well, maybe that's a sign that there's something inside of you that says, hey, this is something you should be doing. And by the way, you have a perspective or a desire or a passion, or maybe even the moral desire to do it a different way because it would help more people. Maybe for you, it's not about the bottom line. Maybe for you is how can we impact more people even if we make less money? Well, maybe that's a way that you're being moved to do something outside of just being the employee of that company. And if that's the case, that that's something you should listen to. That's something you should pursue. So what does that look like? Because if you are driven to be an entrepreneur or to start your own business or to eventually become a full-time investor, that's not going to happen in the job you're at. You can start as, as a side thing, which we always recommend, hang on to your job and start learning how to do the other. But eventually making that shift is going to be a big shift. In fact, before we get to that, let, let's just lay down some, some ground rules here. The reason David and I spent an, really a significant amount of time talking about the budget, reducing expenses, paying down your debt, and then saving. The reason we talk about that is that those are not just things that you do to get to the other. They're actually the things that are going to prepare you to do the other. It's laying a foundation that's going to teach you discipline. It's going to teach you financial management. You're going to understand your own net worth statement, which means that someday you're going to be looking at a business financial statement and it will make sense to you. It won't be a different language. You'll be able to understand because it'll translate much easier because you've already done that. It's just a different set of numbers, maybe different categories, but structurally it's built the same way. You have income, you have expenses, and you can manage through it, and you can manage the business so that it's profitable and you're making the right decision. It also teaches you to persevere, right? Because business, just like life, when you have a budget, it's always challenged, right? There's challenges that come along. So you have a budget that's going to help you to weather those storms. You have an emergency fund that you can tap into when the budget's stressed out. In the same way, when you start a business, there's going to be seasons where it's going to be difficult. You're going to have to overcome things. You're going to fail. And if you don't learn how to persevere through those things, 
starting a business without even knowing how to manage basic finances, it's like not even having the basics yeah. to know what to do. And so as soon as you hit a, a roadblock, you're going to want to quit or you'll, you know, you'll, you'll give up on that business and you'll start another one. And you could just be a constant starter and never actually succeed. So we stress this because we believe that the skills you learn in building that solid foundation of money management, which comes from budgeting, those first three things, spending on purpose, saving before you spend, and increasing financial margin. If you do those things well, it'll prepare you for the next step, if that's what you're called to do. If you're called to go into that other side of investing that's not passive, it's active. That's right. And and we love to teach about investing in mutual funds and in index funds and setting it up to where while you're in your career, you're putting into tax advantaged accounts mm -hmm. and you just kind of grow slowly over time your wealth. We love teaching on that because that is going to be the best fit for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, so this episode, when we're talking about maybe going a more entrepreneurial route, we're not saying that's for everybody. Right. Uh, there are people who are right in the middle of a career where you are fully focused on your job. You love it. You have a good boss. You have good network. You have good uh, opportunity to serve people in your career. There's good life balance with your family. That's great. Uh, keep keep passively growing your wealth through 401ks and IRAs and having these tax advantage plans and go back and listen to the other 20 episodes that we've done on investing to learn more about that. We love that. But there's also this mindset shift to, okay, what if I have more energy, more time, uh, more of a desire to build something that that I have a little bit more control over? And I don't think a lot of employees think about this. I'm an employee. Um, employees often don't think through the lens of the risk that's involved with working for a company, working for someone else. Uh, when you are working for somebody else, you don't have a lot of control over who your boss is going to be. Mm -hmm. And you may have a great boss for five years and then something in the company switches and you don't have a great boss, right? You don't necessarily get to control that. You may get to influence it. You may get to speak into it, but you don't control it. Um, you don't get to control what's going on in the industry. There could be a major industry change that affects your job and you, you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't deserve it, quote unquote. It right. just happened to you. That happens when you're working for someone else. Uh, you don't have any control over the owner of the company. The owner of the company could sell. Um, the new owner could decide to cut, do massive cuts in the company. So uh, the idea of being an employee, it's not a bad idea. Uh, it's one of the... It's one of the biggest forms of income for most people in the entire country. So yeah. I'm not against it at all, but be aware there's another way. Uh, now, the cool thing is when you're an employee, you do have control over your skills, over your education and continuing to learn and grow, becoming the best employee in that company. You have, you have control over the amount of hours you work. I mean, you can come in early and stay late and grow in your career, or you can pull back and just work the minimum hours. Uh, you control your relationships. You can network. Uh, you can control the money that you earn from that job. So th there's really this interesting dichotomy in this episode. We're not putting down that, but we want to highlight what it looks like to, to pursue business ownership and investment that grows wealth and even just thinking through a different frame. So when we say wealth, there's a basic definition. <laughs> and this is just kind of from, you know, Webster's or Merriam Dictionary. And it's an abundance of valuable possessions or money, uh, the state of being rich or material prosperity. And it's important to realize that 
while you can grow into wealth as an employee doing tax advantage accounts in mutual funds and um, index funds and let that grow over 30 or 40 years. And you will get to a place um, where you have an abundance of valuable possessions or money. If you switch over to a business owner mindset, you can actually earn and grow much more quickly. Mm -hmm. And so here's a little bit of a different, different way of talking about wealth. This is kind of the, it gives a little bit of a different definition. It gives a different philosophy of what we're looking at in this episode. Uh, One of the ways that I would define wealth is to say, can I stop working and live the life that I want without losing out on my net worth or my wealth, like what I have? Can I maintain my lifestyle, potentially even increase over time without having a job, without having to work? You're pretty wealthy if you can step out of your career and continue to maintain your lifestyle without diminishing your wealth. Yeah, and that's the key thing. It's diminishing your wealth. You and I, David, have talked about the 4% rule where you get to a place where if you have an investment uh, account or investment retirement account and you're pulling from that 4% every year. So let's, as an example, I think we used, if you have a million dollar investment and that is, let's say you have it in a mutual fund or an IRA or someplace like that, and that 4% equates now to $40,000 a year. So if your lifestyle is $40,000 a year, you could pull that $40,000 as long as you're making 4% which is typically a safe thing to consider long-term that you're going to do that, then while you're taking that 4% out, you can do it you know, endlessly, like for the next 30, 40, 50 years, or even beyond your life. That million dollars will be preserved. The wealth will be preserved while that 40000 is being drawn from it because it's growing by that 4%. So what we're talking about as far as definition for wealth is that wealth is when you can live off of it but never lose its actual balance. It it maintains the value it has Mm -hmm. and just continues to produce for you that income that you need to live off of. It's another definition for financial freedom. Can you get to a place where you have enough set aside, whether it's an investment in real estate, whether it's an actual bank account, an investment account, and that's producing enough income for you to draw every month and live off of in perpetuity. So if that's the case, that's financial freedom, that's wealth building. Now, again, it's, wealth is not a dollar amount. It's can you live the kind of life that you hope to live or want to live and have enough, and then that wealth continue to be preserved. That's wealth. Yeah, that's good. So we're going to actually take a look at an example from Robert Kiyosaki's book, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and he has a quadrant. There's basically four different lenses or ways to look at the world um, in the way that you work and earn. And so we're going to look at that just for a second because it'll help create a visual for you. So you can even Google, um, you know, cash flow quadrant from Robert Kiyosaki and see what we're talking about. But we're just going to use this framework for a minute in this episode to highlight the difference between an employee, somebody who's self-employed, a business owner and an investor. So when you're an employee, you have a job. And your time literally is your money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And that's good. Like if you have more skills, then your time probably equals more money. Over time, you learn, you grow, you get educated, your job becomes more productive, more efficient. And so hopefully, you know, you work eight hours and at the beginning of your career, you work eight hours in a day. And let's say you earn 10 bucks an hour. 
hopefully by the middle of your career, you're earning 20, 30, you know, by the end of your career, you're earning $40 an hour, but your time is your money. And so uh, if you don't show up, uh, you may get sick time, you may have vacation time, but if you don't show up at your job, eventually you don't have any money. That's right. Because your time is your money. You showing up there is your earning. Uh, then you go to being self-employed. And this is really big right now. In the gig economy, um, the the network marketing businesses that are out there, there's a lot of push to, hey, be your own boss. You know, You get to manage your own schedule. And you're self-employed, so you are running basically a small business but still, when you're self-employed, your time is your money. You're not earning if you're not out there hustling. You're self-employed. You you have to employ yourself by going and getting jobs and by doing your skills, the things you've learned to serve other people. And it's and it's good because there's a benefit over just being an employee. You get to manage it. Um, there's some disadvantages. The taxes are a little bit higher. It's not easy. No, you know, you you are responsible for every part of it. But still, in both of these first two quadrants, your time is your money. Yeah, the, the difference between an employee and a self-employed is that an employee has a job that, that somebody's given to them. And as long as they trade in their hours, they get dollars for those hours. A self-employed person is similar, but the difference is they're not given a job. They own their own job. So they basically say, this is my job. I'm a painter. So I'm going to go out there and paint houses. So I have to go door to door and sell my services to this neighborhood or to these people. And as I do that, I'm able to actually charge probably more than I would get if I just worked eight hours for the day. Let's say I'm a painter and I go and I knock on the doors in my neighborhood and I say, hey, I'm a painter. I'd love to do your house. Here's what I would charge. I estimate it. And it, let's say it takes me a week to paint the house. But in that week, I can make $3,000. Yeah. For me to make $3,000 a week from a job, I would have to make more than $15 an hour. Oh, yeah. Big it, would, time. it would be way more. So, But it built into that cost of $3,000 to paint the house is also supplies. Mm -hmm. It's also uh, insurance. It's also you know everything else that it takes for me to operate the business. So that's why you are self-employed. You own your job, and there are additional costs, like David said. And there's higher taxes. You're paying the self-employed tax, and you're paying the employee tax at the same time. So there's higher taxes as well. That's great. But the benefit is is that you can make more money. So your time that you're spending per hour at a job might be $15 an hour. As a self-employed, you can double that, maybe triple or quadruple that. And that's where the benefit comes in. You do get more per hour if I can I kind of break it down to that. Yeah. But you do own your job. So yeah. you have a little bit of freedom there because you get to decide what you do and how much you do of it. Yeah, and, and you can potentially earn more per hour. Uh, it still takes work and time and oh, energy. Yeah. And yeah, there's it's risk. Still to time. It. Yep. It's just at a higher rate. That's right. That's <laughs> <Hopefully>. right. <laughs> so then you go into the next quadrant of these four, and that is to become a business owner. And that's where you own a system. Like you own a company where other people are working in the business. And really, when you're a business owner, you may you may manage at a high level, but if you're really owning it and you can hire in managers to manage the business you can step out of it and you have a system in place where other people come in and they put in their time and then you pay them an hourly rate. But if the business is a good system, then there should be a profit above and beyond what you're paying your people, above and beyond the expenses for the business, the materials, the assets, the taxes that you're going to pay to the government. And if you have this system in place, 
then you should be able to step out and other people's time increases your money. Then it becomes how good can you hire? How well can you hire people? Can you hire good managers that help make good decisions, help increase productivity, that allow the business to grow and increase financially? And if you're good at hiring and good at managing people, or at least putting the right people in place to manage, then this system allows you to not have to use your time to bring in money, but actually get to use, and use sounds a little harsh, but actually get to work with and empower other people's time to increase your wealth. Yeah, that's that's a great way to put it. The difference between a self-employed person who has a business and a person who has a business that's that system that works for you is that you're not involved day to day. Yeah. As a self-employed, you got you are the business. You are the employee. And you're going to either work alongside with other people or you're going to be the only one working in that business. When you graduate to that big B business, mm-hmm. then what you're doing is managing at a high level. You might be in the office once or twice a day for half a day, mm-hmm. just having those key management meetings with those you know top level of managers. So it is a totally different business model because again, it does not require your hourly input. You're only overseeing and making those big decisions and then you're empowering. So really it switches from you doing all the work to you training and equipping other people to do the work so that now you can only make the big decisions. And honestly, when you get to that level, you're still involved. You're just not involved on an hourly basis. And by the way, your income is not based on that hourly. It's based on the overall production of the business. So the better you are, like David said, hiring people, getting productivity up, the better you are at having those kind of people, the more profitable your business will be. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, your 30-minute meeting with that CEO could produce you know a million dollars because mm-hmm. you're you're helping that person to be successful which in turn will produce an income for you a profit for the business and for every employee so it's a it's a, at a higher level but it does allow you to step away and not be involved in a day-to-day and you're no longer getting paid by the hour right that's right for certain that's awesome yeah and you see great examples of this with things like you know, Amazon and Jeff Bezos or uh, Elon Musk and Tesla and all the other small businesses that he has around um, that company. You see these business owners that they employ hundreds or thousands of workers. Uh, and that business owner, it's, it's not up to their hourly, you know, wage mm-hmm. for their income. It's up to how do they manage other people and how do they manage that system and some business owners are more involved in the day-to-day. Yep. Some business owners step out and they just hire good managers and they can trust those managers. So being aware that you go from employee to self-employed to business owning, owning a whole system. And then the fourth quadrant is where you become an investor and you own investments. And now it doesn't depend on your work at all. It depends on the work of the company that you own part of or the asset that you own part of, which could be real estate like a house or commercial real estate. But basically your investments grow on their own, producing more money. And I mean, kind of a a quick, funny, simple analogy is that I own a little bit of Amazon stock and I own a little bit of Tesla stock and I don't have to do any work. I don't call Elon Musk and say, hey, here's how you should manage Tesla. Uh, I just let my money sit there. 
in the company and as a small, very small fractional owner with a little bit of stock in the company, I get to benefit every time the company grows, right. every time the company increases. And I, David Thompson, don't have to do any work. Uh, I just get to sit and watch that happen. Yeah. And this is the difference here is that, okay, we talked about as an employee, you have a job and you get an hourly rate. As a self-employed person, you own a job and you're getting a higher rate, but you're still working at it. As a business owner, you step out of the day-to-day operations. You're not working hourly, but you are giving oversight over the business and making sure that that system's running. And then last, you take the money you have and you make it work for you. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. An investor doesn't work. Their money works. Now, it doesn't mean that as an investor you have no role at all. You still have to do the research. You still have to pick the stocks or the companies that you purchase or, or build into. Your investment is in learning how to invest and where to put those money because those monies then have to go to work. It's just like a business owner has to make sure they hire the right people. You got to make sure your money is lent out to the right organizations that are going to return a profit for you. That's right. But there's a distinct difference between the left side and the right side of this cash flow quadrant that Robbie Kiyosaki made somewhat famous is that the ENS is the highest taxed group, right? Yes. So income from the employee side or the self-employed side is the highest taxed because it is employment income. It's earned income. And that, if you look at the tax laws, that's taxed at the highest rate. We talked about self-employed. If you're self-employed and if you're doing, if you're getting a 1099, you are paying both the employer and the employee side of the Social Security and Medicare mm-hmm. side of taxes. So right there is 15.3% that you are paying every single on every single dollar on top of the federal yeah. tax. Yeah. That, and that's based on obviously your profit, whatever you made as far as income. So the left side, highest tax. The right side, there's still taxes, but there's also a ton of benefits that the left side does not have. And this is where people kind of miss it. They think, well, why don't the rich pay taxes? Well, it's not that they don't pay taxes. Uh, They're supposed to, and they do have a tax bracket. The difference is they take their money and reinvest it, or there's certain things that they can use as expenses in their business that they don't have to pay taxes on because Mm -hmm. of the way the tax structure is set up. And by the way, if you're an investor, you're paying taxes on capital gains, which is not 30%, 30%, it's not 22%, it's not 28, no, 24%, which is what some people make. It's based on 15%. So capital gains is based on a lower rate than earned income. So that's why this is something that's important to know because you can work as an employee or self-employed all your life, but there is one side to this, which is that you're going to pay higher taxes. There's mm-hmm. less things that you can write off that a business or an investor can write off. And therefore, even though they make more money, they can write more things off. They have the ability to use that money in such a way they take depreciation for things. So they're able to lower their actual income and pay less taxes on it. Yeah. Well, and think about capital gains. So just put put that word into perspective. Capital gains. That means, and I'm an investor. I mean, I'm not a super sophisticated investor, but I'm an investor. I own stocks in hundreds, literally hundreds of companies. Um, and I had to earn that money somewhere else in order to get that capital money. Capital is another word for money. Mm -hmm. So money gains, capital gains. I earned that money at my, at my job Mm -hmm. under as an employee. Right. So I paid taxes on that money. Right. 
I paid I paid federal income taxes in Texas. We don't have state income taxes, but uh, I paid federal income taxes. I paid Social Security. I paid Medicare, FICA. I mean, like all these different things. So I've paid my taxes. Now I take that money and I invest it, and my capital gains, my money gains on itself. Mm-hmm. And now the government is going to tax me a second time. So it, it makes sense that capital gains, money gaining money, it makes sense that that increase would have a lower tax rate because yeah. this is the second time I'm being taxed. That's right. Now, now, this can be really difficult because if you are coming from a poor area and you don't have a lot of capital to have capital gains, to have money gaining on money... And then you look at yourself and you compare yourself to somebody who has generationally grown in wealth in their family over time. And maybe two generations ago, uh, a grandfather or a great-grandfather earned, paid their taxes as an employee, started a business, grew that business, paid their taxes as self-employed, paid their taxes as a business owner. But now there's a lot of wealth in a family and that family has paid all their taxes the first time around, but now they're employing that money to gain more on top of it. And you're looking at that family and you're saying, well, it's not fair that that family who's already paid taxes for generations is now paying a lower tax rate because they're using their money to grow money. They've already paid their taxes on that first go round. They're still paying taxes on the second go round. And the reason that the government has set it up this way in general economics, is that if you use your money to gain and to grow, what you're typically doing is you're investing into a business, and a business can hire people. Mm-hmm. A business can create jobs. A right. business can produce helpful tools, resources, things to serve people. Amazon sends me packages. Amazon sends package thousands, millions, probably some crazy number of packages a day. I don't even know. But they're serving people every day. I've invested my money into a business that helps other people. Mm-hmm. So the government wants you to do that. The government wants people who have money. They incentivize it. They incentivize it. They want them not to just to go squander the money and go yep. buy a boat. They yep. want them, instead of buying a boat, they want them to invest it into property or invest it into a company. Mm-hmm. That's why the capital gains is slightly lower than the federal income tax. It's the second time it's being taxed. And it's money gaining on money, which means it's been invested usually into a business that allows more people to work and allows the economy to grow. Is this a perfect system that exactly works like that every time? No. But the vast majority of the time, that's how it operates. Yeah, that's that's really good, David. So let's kind of land this plane by just going back to this left side, right side of the cash flow quadrant. Again, if you're on the left side, employee, self-employed, you are paying earned income taxes. That's the highest tax that we have, especially as you get into over $85,000, $86,000 a year. You start getting taxed into 25% and up. Whereas if you're in a full-time investor and you're investing, everything you're making is capital gains. And if that's taxed at 15%, you're getting taxed 15% where somebody that's making 100000 is getting taxed 28%. Mm-hmm. So is it fair? Again, what David said is true. 
the reason the taxes are lower is not just because it's taxed a second time, but it's because it's trying to get people who have surplus, who have money to invest, to continue to put that money to work. If everybody took their wealth and just stock socked it away in their mattresses and never spent anything, our economy would falter. Mm -hmm. Our world would go in complete recession and there would be nothing produced and people would eventually starve and die. The point here is that the system's set up to encourage the economy to continue to thrive and grow. Right. So I can't be mad at somebody because they're making more money from investing and paying less than I am because they took a path. Yeah. They took a path that I haven't yet fully achieved. And that's okay. Th you know, those people gave me jobs in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm grateful for that. I would like to walk a similar path and eventually get to the business owner and investor side where all of my money is made from investment. Why? Because I could have more wealth that I could put to better use and I would pay less in taxes. And I'm all for paying taxes, but I'm not going to pay more than I need to. That's I think right. That, that would be foolish. So I'm not upset at people that make uh, that have wealth and pay less in taxes because I do know that primarily those people are creating opportunities, and actually that's creating jobs, and those people will pay tax from those jobs. Yes. So, so in a way, they are actually creating more taxes for the government, allowing more taxes to come in because they're creating opportunities for people to work and then pay taxes through that. That's right. And and federal income taxes and capital gains taxes are not the only two taxes in the world. Oh, that's right. <laughs> you also have property taxes. You also have sales taxes. Every gallon of gas that you buy has a bunch of taxes built in. Every time you rent a hotel or you stay at a hotel or you get a ticket on an airline, you pay taxes for travel and transportation and hotel stays. There, we did an episode. I don't remember where it is, Leo. I have to go back and look. But we identified about 100 different taxes that people yeah, pay. It's crazy. Um, it was unreal. <laughs> yeah. And so, so it, oh, I'm so angry that this person isn't paying a higher percent in their capital gains. Okay, I understand. And there, there's, I under, logically, I can see where you might get there. But they are also employing other people who are paying taxes. They are paying property taxes. They yeah. are paying sales and gas and hotel. I mean, all these other taxes. It, it's not necessarily, that's not the only tax rate you should be looking at. Yeah, so the idea of people paying zero taxes, that does not exist in this country. At, everybody's, at all, anyway. everybody's paying taxes, whether they're buying gas or whether they're buying food. Uh, well, food is not taxed, but everything else is. Yeah, staple food products aren't taxed, it, but true. chips are. Chips are taxed. I mean, you yep. know, like you <laughs> yeah. know, things yeah, that you don't need to live on. Yeah, the good stuff is taxed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope that this really this show has been helpful because what we wanted to do is just to go into this area of of investing wisely and just to let you know that from our four steps to purposeful living, investing wisely is not just put it in a market and and that's it. That is one way, but there is another way. So we wanted to begin to open that topic up to a, a broader discussion. So in future episodes, we'll dig into that. What does it look like to be self-employed? What are some of the benefits? Why should you do it? Some people are really geared to do that. How do you do it successfully? I've seen many people that have gone that route, and unfortunately, they work more hours for less pay, and they're more stressed out because they're not doing it right. If you're doing it wrong, you'd be better off just going back to getting a nine-to-five job and not have the stress of being a, a self-employed business owner. So there are some positives and negatives there that I think we can share in future episodes and also talk about what does it look like to actually be a business owner and not be involved in it every day and then eventually become an investor uh, and maybe even a sophisticated investor as all of us we wish to be. So I hope that's been helpful. If this episode has been helpful to you, would you do us a huge favor and share it? Share it with someone that you care about, somebody that's interested to also uh, grow in their own knowledge of finances and, and becoming an investor and potentially starting their own business. 
we are grateful that we get to do this, but we only have so much reach. So we'd love for you to help us to have that broader reach. You can also review and rate our podcast. You could do so on Apple. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, please share it and please rate and review it. To gain access to this podcast show notes and other financial tools and relevant content, you could visit leosabo.com where I hang out and where I offer some content and some resources that I hope will be helpful for you. So you can go and benefit from that there. David, where can people go to find out more about what you're up to outside of getting money right? Yeah, come over and hang out at stewardshippastors.com and check out the book Jesus on Money and just come spend some time with me there and uh, pre-order the book. It will be uh, coming out soon and I can't wait for you to read it and check out all the good stuff going on at stewardshippastors.com. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us and we hope we'll see you next time so that together we We can can keep keep getting getting money money right. And the reason that the government has set it up this way in general economics is that if you use your money to gain and to grow, what you're typically doing is you're investing into a business and a business can hire people.